right, I want to welcome everybody to the second week of our series entitled Road Trip. Come on, let's just welcome all the campuses joining us right now. Man, we're excited to have you guys. Hey, if you weren't here last week, we kicked off a brand new series, and this series is all about relationships. Now, in this series, last week we talked about conflict. You know, a lot of times we get into conflict, we don't know where conflict begins, and we don't know how to resolve conflict. Next week, I cannot wait, I cannot wait till next week, I'm going to talk to you about communication in relationships. Now, I want to say this to all the single people. This is not just a marriage series. This is a relationship series. So again, uh, if you're single, single again, wherever you are, this is related to marriage. It's related to friendship. If you're an employer, employee, it's really how God has created each one of us to connect with one another. Today, I want to talk to you about how to understand the unique wiring that we have and how to celebrate it in one another. My message is entitled, You Are In My Space. <clears throat> it's interesting, when I, whenever I, I used to do a lot of counseling, marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, and one of the things that was funny uh, that people would say is, I'll never forget, it was usually from the guy. I say, well, pastor, let me just tell you something. I'm, I'm gonna guarantee you, I will never, we will never own a van. That's always funny five years later when I see him have a van. You know what I'm talking about? No, you're going to have a van. Don't say that, all right? You're going to have a van. Of course, we had vans for years, Toyota vans, Honda vans. So we, we would, and in our van, we'd go on road trips in the summertime because they're very convenient. Of course, I've got our three older kids, 24, 22, and 20, and then my precious little 11-year-old. And so the older ones, we'd go on road trips, and, and the boys would always, in the back, they'd kind of be fighting, and I need this, and I need the remote. I don't know why it is, about 10 years ago, Toyota, the vans, they, they made where they only had one in one seat behind the, kind of the front seat, they had one little video player. That creates sibling rivalry. Oh, I get out of my space. You're in my space. And so it was all back and forth. Of course, as parents, you know, you're turning around the whole time. Be quiet. Sit down. Well, you're going to see Jesus if you don't shut up. <laughs> Excuse me. Be quiet. And the reality is, is that they would be in one another's space. They wouldn't understand one another's needs. And consequently, they wouldn't get along. Let me tell you what happens when you get older, when you grow up and you get older is that we may not be taking the remote from somebody, but we can get in one another's space too. And here's the way that we do it, by not appreciating and celebrating how one another is designed. In other words, we can cross over into somebody's lane and try to make them in our own image. I never forget, I told this person this one time, and I said, let me tell you, one of the big problems in all marriage relationships, I want to go on record, all, every campus, every marriage relationship, this is a bad starting point. When you try to create your spouse in your own image. Last time I checked in the book of Genesis, we are made in the image of who? Say it. God. When you try to make your spouse in your own image, in other words, when you try to, let me tell you this, when you try to craft them and shape them and make them, bad things happen. By the way, do you know it's the same thing with our children? You know it's the same thing with our coworkers? There's an epidemic in our culture where we do not celebrate how God has uniquely wired one another. 
but it, rather we decry it. We, we diminish one another. We want everybody to be, well, huh, we all should be. No, no, time out. We're made in the image of God, uniquely created by God, and we should celebrate that. By the way, you need me and I need you. Let, let me give you a scripture. One of, let me say this. Maybe one of the most misunderstood scriptures in the Old Testament. You guys ready? Here it is. You guys ready? I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to give you the traditional interpretation, and then I'm going to give you the biblical understanding. You guys ready? Here it is. Proverbs chapter 22. This is so cool. Proverbs 22. You guys have heard this before. Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they get older, they'll not depart from it. All right, that's the scripture. Let me give you the classic interpretation of that scripture. Here it is. Bring your kid to church, memorize Bible scriptures, and when they're older, they'll serve the Lord. Now, let me say this. That can be an application of that verse, absolutely. But actually, the interpretation is slightly different. Train up a child. Pastor, what is it? The Old Testament's written in Hebrew. If you understand the Hebrew idiom, train up a child in the, say it, in the way that they should go. Let me give you the Hebrew. Ready? Here it is. Train up a child in the way that they are, don't miss this, bent. 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 Train up a child in the way that they are bent. Help them develop their gift set and their skill set in that. And when they get older, they'll be functioning according to their purpose. Whoa. You guys, you know, when you, when, you, when you have an arrow that's a little bit bent, you shoot that arrow, and the bent is going to direct the arrow. How many of you know, each one of us have been created by God. Husbands, your wife has been created by God with a bent. Kids, your, your parents, parents, your kids, guess what? They've been created. Now, our goal is not to try to make their bent your bent. Boy, that was good. Our goal, listen, our goal is try to discover how they're wired by God and then celebrate it, champion it, not deny it, denigrate it, depreciate it, but to celebrate it. Now, it's interesting when you begin to talk about personalities, you begin to see how God has shaped us, uniquely created and crafted each one of us. I'm going to give you guys a little history lesson today. There's a man lived 2,500 years ago, Hippocrates. Some say Hippocrates, Hippocrates. By the way, those of you in the medical field, any doctors, I know at our campuses, a lot of medical people, you take a, a, what's called an Hippocratic Oath. That's actually related to this particular individual. They say he's kind of the, 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 the father of the original medicine. Interestingly enough, Hippocrates, 500 years before the birth of Christ in the Greek culture, he's the one that discovered and really began to flesh out the concept there are only four different human personalities. I want everybody to lean in on this today. I'm going to help you. Four different human personalities. Now, we all have shades of the one, each one, but there are primary aspects to our personality. So there's only four, not five, not six. Now, in our church, we use what's called a DISC profile test. And the DISC, let me give you what the DISC stands for. The D stands for, and it's, by the way, it's from this paradigm. 2,500 years ago. I'm going to give you all these different ones. You're like, oh God, I didn't realize that it was attached to that. I didn't realize that was attached to that. Watch what I'm about. To, I'm going to put it together for you. Disc test. D, driver. I, the influencer, the relationship person. The S, the steady, the consistent personality. The C, the compliant or conscientious personality. Now, 
Let me give you a graph and let me show you. And for those of you maybe that have been Christians for a little while, maybe you've read some of these other materials, I'm gonna give you some background. Can you pull up that graph, all the campuses? Can you do that? Now watch how these four, remember all of us have a primary, but all of us are shades and blends of each one of these, all right? Let me give you an example. 1972, how many of y'all remember or ever read the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye and Jake? Y'all remember that? Okay. Well, Tim LaHaye was a pastor in California. In 1972, he wrote a book called The Spirit-Filled Temperament. Spiritual, it's the Spirit-Filled Temperament. And what he was the one that actually began to unpack the terms, he's the first one, 40, almost 50 years ago. Watch this. He talked about choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic and melancholy. Isn't that interesting? Well, guess what? The choleric is the D personality. The sanguine is the I personality. The phlegmatic is the S personality. And the melancholy is the C. Some of you that may have been Christians 20, 30 years ago, you may remember the name Florence Littauer, personality plus. She used the exact same terms. Some of you may remember 15 years ago, we had Dr. Gary, Gary Smalley here at church. He and his son, Greg. And he had a video series called The Two Sides of Love. Same four personalities, different terms. He talked about the lion. Everybody say lion. lion. What is the lion? That's the D. That's the choleric. Same personality. The otter. That's the I. That's the sanguine. He talked about the golden retriever. That's the S. That's the phlegmatic. The beaver. That's the C. That's the melancholy. Why is this important? There's only four. Each one has a primary, but we all have slight bends of each. Slight blends of each. Now, it's interesting when you can begin to think about this. We chose the DISC profile. And I want to encourage you, if you've never taken that test, it's really funny. By the way, Enneagram's a big one today. You know, it's, you walk around, particularly the young kids. What are you? I'm a two, wing three. I'm an eight, wing eight. Oh, gosh. Here's your... Can I tell you they're actually derived from the same paradigm? They just have different subsets and subgroupings to it. So if you're interested in taking the DISC profile, some people get nervous about tests. Ah, okay, call it a DISC profile. You can go to churchofthekingcom slash DISC. churchofthekingcom slash DISC. So I thought today what I'd like to do is help everybody by talking about these four different basic personality types. And then I'm going to give you a couple of things to consider and think about how we can relate to one another better. Let me say this. This is important. I want to say it one more time. We all have a dominant but we all have blends or shades of each, all right? You guys ready to learn some stuff and have some fun today, yes? Three people? Come on, all the campuses, you guys ready? Yeah. Listen, and by the way, I'm gonna be appropriately transparent about my wife and I, but you do not wanna miss next week, because I go for it. I'm just telling you, I've got that message, that thing, I mean, it is, it gets, it gets, let me say, I don't know, it's funnier or more funny, whatever, grammatically correct, but it's real transparent, appropriately. We have some fun in this at my expense. All right, here we go. Four personality types. Let's have fun. Number one, the driver personality. Again, choleric, line, all the same. Only 3% of the population has a, what's called a pure D personality. What biblical character, what biblical character would be someone that would exemplify this particular trait, this temperament, Paul the Apostle? Remember Saul before he became Paul? Radical. After he was transformed by Christ, Acts chapter 9, still radical. For a different cause, for Christ. 
He was a murderer, a persecutor of the Christians, and then he got born again, and then he became this great apostle, wrote two-thirds in the New Testament. Paul was the man. I mean, he was strong. Now, let me give you some characteristics about drivers and Ds. They're goal-oriented, they're achievement-oriented, performance-oriented. They want to accomplish. They want to accomplish goals. They want to accomplish things. They feel good. They have the sensation of feeling important when they accomplish. By the way, God designed them that way. Let, let me give you the scripture. Let me give you the scripture that I think would typify Paul, the apostle. Or let me say this. Demonstrate who he is. And there's some nuances to these words that are so important that we pick up. I don't want to skip over this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Notice. Notice this. I press toward, this is Paul's words, by the way. He says, I press. Everyone say, press. A D's always pressing. They're always rise up, make it happen. Let's push through. I press toward what? What's that next word? Say it, the what? Say it, goal. Super goal oriented. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The D's about getting things done. The choleric, the lion, about conquests. When a D goes to a prayer meeting, they pray. They don't pray long, but they want to make it to the end, and they will get to the end of that prayer. They're not sure what they prayed about, but they accomplished a prayer meeting. <laughs> By the way, when an I go, I'm going to talk about the eye. When the eye goes to a prayer meeting, they pray, then they talk to four or five different people. By the way, eyes love group prayer. Can we pray together? Let's all get to prayer. They love the relationships we're together. D's, phoom, they get to the end. Now, let me give you what a D fears the most. Because each one of these primary pro personality profiles, their strengths and their weaknesses. Let me give you the fear. You ready? Here's their fear. They, they fear being taken advantage of. They fear, they fear that. Why is that? Because they're all in. I mean, they're all in people, right? They're committed, they're in. Why are you not committed like that? What's up with you? Well, they're all in. All right, everybody say the D. D. Only 3% of the population is considered a pure D. There's blends, shades, and all of us have to, but, but if you know somebody that scores on that, a total D personality, three, only 3%, all right? Let me give you the next one. Here it is. This, is this, gets, this gets funnier and funnier as we go, by the way. The I personality, the influencer, or according to Tim LaHaye and Littower, the sanguine, or according to Dr. Gary Smalley, the otter. The second person, what type, what biblical character do you think would demonstrate and typify the I personality the most? Now, again, I'm, I'm, this is my thoughts uh, you guys can go through all these disc profile analysis tests, and you can come up. But, but in my opinion, this is my opinion, I think it would be Peter. And let me tell you why Peter. Peter is always talking. He's always cutting deals. Matter of fact, you guys remember, you, you've heard of athlete's foot before? Yeah? Yes? Okay, I'm talking to you, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He didn't have athlete's foot. He had athlete's mouth. There's a foot, there's a mouth. Put it in that all the time. That's the point. He's always saying something. Matter of fact, it wasn't, it was rarely right, but he was always saying something. Always. Jesus is going to the cross. You know, he's like, hey guys, this is Jesus. He goes, listen, I'm going to the cross. I'm getting ready to go die in Jerusalem. Peter's like, no way. Absolutely not. Who's going to do that to you? 
Jesus turns to Peter and goes, get behind me, Satan. You don't even know what spirit you're of, Peter. Peter's like, okay, go for it. He's always saying something all over the place. Eyes are people, people. They're salesmen, they're saleswomen, they're relationship. They value people. They're good connectors. D's have a tendency to put projects and accomplishment over people. Eyes, it's all about people. That's how God's designed them. They're influencers. That's why people like to be around them. Peter all the time. Oh, matter of fact, if you look in the Bible, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter is almost a central figure in every part. Always. Give an example. Jesus is washing feet. Y'all remember that? The night of the garden of Gethsemane, he had the last supper right before that. He's washing feet, you know. I mean, it's like, what about Nathaniel? How can we never hear from Nathaniel again? Where's poor Nate? All we hear is the man without guile, and we never hear about But we hear about Peter a lot. Why? Because he's always talking. For example, Jesus gets to, he gets, he's washing this guy's feet. He's washing his feet. He gets to Peter. He says, Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. You know, Jesus is looking up, beautiful eyes. <laughs> Peter's like, no, you're not. You're not washing my feet. Jesus goes, my son, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. Peter's like, hmm. All right, start with the hair. We'll work it down to the feet. We'll just do the whole thing. He's always talking. Matter of fact, I personalities, when they go to other nations for vacations, they actually, within 24 hours, adapt the dialogue and the accent. It's like after a day, you don't speak English, British accent. Why are you doing that? They want to connect with people. Isn't that funny? I don't care if you laugh. I thought it was funny, but here we go. They're connectors. Only 11% of the population, three pure Ds, 11 percent eyes. Now, I want to say this. I love being around eye personalities. My wife is an eye. I won't tell you what I am for a little while, but my wife is an eye. And I, let me, oh, by the way, by the way, D's, what do they fear? Being taken advantage of. Eyes, what do they fear? Rejection. Lack of approval. Why? Because they love people. They want to connect with people. Let me give you the third one. S, steady. Third personality type is the steady, the stable. I, we should probably call it consistent. It's not like the other ones aren't stable, but this is a steady personality. Again, golden retriever, phlegmatic. What biblical character do you think demonstrates this personality temperament the most? I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you mine. Here's what I, in my, this is my opinion. I think it's Barnabas. And let me tell you why. Barnabas, team player. S personalities, they're team players. They don't have to be on top. They don't have to be the quarterback. They just want to be on the team. They're loyal. They're committed to people. They're very committed. By the way, this is important. 69% of the population have a... This is incredible. 69% of the population have that dominant S characteristic. Isn't that interesting? 3% D, 11% I, 6 I. Thank God, we, the, the, the general population, they're consistent. The reason why this is so important, when you think about, I'm gonna give you a biblical example to compare a pure D. Paul is almost a pure D. Very little I, very little almost a pure D. Watch the comparison with Paul, D, and Barnabas, S. Let me give you the backdrop. This is a great example. Paul was an apostle, man. He's planting churches. He's preaching the gospel. You put the guy in jail. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Very productive guy. He was on a missionary journey, and there was a guy named John Mark 
that was on the team with them. Paul was traveling and John Mark was on the team. Here's what happened. John Mark flaked out, got a little bit scared, wanted to go home. Paul looks at him and goes, what are you doing? Are you really going to get back over here? You're going to go home? Are you kidding me? You're never coming with me again. That's Paul. Of course, he's going to then go preaching the love of Jesus. But anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. So then he's getting ready to go on another trip. And guess what happens? Barnabas brings John Mark back. Watch what happens. D and an S. Watch this. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. In other words, there's the D, remember? They want to do an accomplishment. Let's go aggressively assess how the outcomes and the fruitfulness attach to our apostolic ministry. Let's go assess it. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's conquer, let's do this thing. Watch what happens. D, everyone say D. And everybody say S. Look at verse 37. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Traitor. Then the contention became so sharp that they, part, they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark, and he sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Why is this important? Yes, John Mark flaked out. Paul, he was ready to move on. He says, you're not bringing that kid. And, and now, and, but Barnabas was committed. He was loyal, and he stuck with John Mark. Wow. By the way, if you, read, if you keep reading, Paul came around a little bit later and allowed John Mark back on the team, but it was because Barnabas, thank God. How many are grateful for people that are committed, that stick with people and see them through? Well, Barnabas is an S personality, and thank God for S personalities. 69% of the population, U.S. population, it's their primary strength, loyalty, steady, consistent. Now, Oh, biggest fear of D, taken advantage of. Biggest fear for the I, rejection, lack of approval. Biggest fear for the S personality. You ready for this? Change. Change. Why do we need to change? Well, change is part of life. Really? Does it need to be? Consistency. No change. We all have strengths. And we all have weaknesses. When you begin to understand how God's designed you and your spouse, I'm telling you, you can move from contention to confluence. Begin to flow together. Look at C. Watch this. The compliant, I like the word conscientious. Compliant kind of almost indicates some sort of a weak will. It's not that at all. It's conscientious. Somebody that understands. Here's another word, fastidious, all right? They, they, they're, they're detailed, they're exacting in their personality. Let's talk about that. 17% of the per population has C as the dominant, all right? American population. John, I pick John. Now, there's different Johns in the New Testament. There's John the Baptist, but this is John the, this is John the disciple, the apostle 
who was part of the original 12, who wrote the gospel of John, by the way. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He also wrote another book called the book of Revelation. Why is this important? I think this is so important because if you understand a C personality, they are exacting in their detail and they don't miss anything. Let me give you an example. This is hilarious what I'm about to tell you. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel writers, that, that, that they, were, they, they, they were there with Jesus and and, well, think about this. John, John walked with Jesus for three years. Then Jesus dies, goes to heaven, resurrect, goes to heaven. John becomes this, he's this apostle in the church, lives, matter of fact, some scholars say that he lived the longest of all of them. He writes the gospel of John. Notice what he says. This is hilarious about himself. Talk about exacting. He writes this. John chapter 13, verse 23. Now there was, he wrote, he's, this is him. Now there was, leaning on Jesus' bosom. He's talking about himself. One of his disciples, comma, whom Jesus loved. As opposed to the 11 other idiots. Are y'all with me? I mean, <laughs> have you noticed? Just think about that for a moment. <laughs> he was really, he, he loved me. He likes y'all, but he, lo- I mean, just think about that. That, that, is that hilarious to y'all? As a matter of fact, John, let me give an example. Book of Revelation, I talked about he wrote, this is the C personality. He wrote the book of Revelation. Paul could have never wrote the book of Revelation. You know why? He wouldn't have stayed long enough on the Isle of Patmos. I'm out of here. Let's get out of here. These people are crazy. We got to do something for God. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Peter never, Peter would have started brokering deals. Something would have happened. He'd have got distracted. Are y'all, notice, so Peter only wrote first and second Peter. He couldn't stay still long enough. Okay, John, oh yeah, John wrote the book of Revelation, but notice the exacting nature of his personality. Seven horns, 12 eyes. I mean, it's like, wah! That's his personality. Now, what happens in marriages is we despise, you know, so for example, if you're an I and you're married to a C, and the I says, well, you know what? You're just, you're just too, you know, just detailed. You're just not fun enough. And you just, and you know, and the C goes, yeah, well, yeah, but, but, but I'm different than you. Matter of fact, matter of fact, you can despise one another based upon how you're designed and not appreciate one another. Let me just say something. The I is there to make that marriage fun. The C is there to make sure that y'all don't go to jail. That's why. That's why. The C is not the CEO. They're the CFO. They're the accountant. Are y'all with me? You'd be in tax invasion problems if you're... You need a C somewhere in your life. That was funny. So Jennifer and I, so what am I? Okay, so y'all want to know, what is pastor? I'll tell you. I actually have, apart from Jesus, a perfect personality. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm joking. I'm a D-I... An ID. I actually, I'm a DI. My wife says I rigged the test. Sometimes I'm like, honey, I'm an I. She goes, no, you're not. You're a D. You rigged the test. You know what the answers are. Okay, so, so I'm, my D and my I are very good. Now, my wife is a pure I. She's an I. Uh, she's just an I. She loves people. She, everything's, she's in the moment. When people go to a restaurant, she's talking to people. I'm like, that's not the point. The point is eating. She, oh, we're talking, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm in the car. You know, we're leaving. She talks to three people. I'm in the car. I start the car. It's nighttime. I put on the light. I blink lights through the, are y'all with me? I'm like, it's Saturday night. I'm expecting other things late tonight. But anyway, so, 
my point is, is that an I personality is different. They're different. My wife, she just, she's in the moment. She loves people, and I love people too, but there's limits. For example, my wife gives away things. She gives, she's given away our furniture three times. I came home last summer. I'm like, where's our furniture? In our living room. Where's our, and we don't need any now, but where's our furniture? She goes, I, I gave it away to the Armands. You can't do that. We have community property. You have to ask my permission at some level. We're in this together. Where's my chair? I love my chair. I have a personal relationship with my chair. I just gave it away. I just felt they didn't have, I just, I just gave it to them. They're, I just love them. I love them too, but not that much. I mean, I'm just being, I'm just, I'm just being. I, I gotta stop because she's actually in this service. And so I just, you should have seen me in the other services. So here's my point. My wife actually told me this one time years ago. She goes, Steve, you're lucky. I said, why am I lucky? She goes, because you're married to me. I said, what do you mean? She goes, without me, you're boring. She told me that. There's a little truth in that. I like goals. I like tasks. I want things to, for, for example, Friday, I went, so my daughter, my 11-year-old old daughter, and Pastor Blake Boudreaux's got a daughter the same age, and so I'm off on Friday, so let's go, we're gonna go shopping, we're gonna do everything, let's bring them out. I said, Jennifer, I got on lease all day long, we're gonna do it. So the night before, which was on Thursday, I'm like, okay, where are we gonna go? Because I'm a planner, I wanna get things done, I wanna make sure, it's like, okay, where are we gonna go? Where, where are, we, are we gonna go? Okay, so we're gonna lake some, so where, where are we gonna go first? Where, we're gonna go to Dillard's, where, we're gonna get you some clothes. Okay, why don't we eat lunch at Chick-fil-A, then we'll go here. And so Annalise, she literally looks, looks at me. She goes, mom said that you're just overly planned. <laughs> what does mom have to do with this? This is how I function. This is called peace. If I don't have a plan, I have anxiety. Are y'all with me? Don't worry, I have multiple counselors. My point is... <laughs> now, I will say this. After 26 years of being married, Jennifer's starting to appreciate. Now, I have, I have to grow. <laughs> But God, God gives, God puts you in a relationship with people that are different than you. You can't make your spouse in your own image. By the way, next week I'm going to talk, I'm going to go to a whole other level with this. But you, you can't, that's where frustration, instead of celebrating. By the way, we live in a world, everybody wants to make everybody in their own image. How about celebrate differences? Are you all with me? Celebrate uniqueness. Let me give you two things to consider. Two things this week, I want you to think about it. Number one, just two thoughts. Here's number one. I'm gonna ask everybody, all of our campuses, let's appreciate the different personality types in our spouses and others. Let's learn to appreciate, I'll add another word, and celebrate. Could you imagine what our church would look like, what our communities would look like, what our marriages, if you're married, what our friendships, Single people, friendships, working. Could you imagine if we, didn't comp- if we stopped comparing our strengths against other people's weaknesses? Can you imagine? How many of you know we live in a better world? How many of y'all agree with that? We, we live in a better world. <clears throat> Number one, I'm gonna ask all of us this week, let's see people Let's see people the way God sees people. God's the one. Remember, we're made in the image of God, not one another. 
Number two, here it is. This is so huge. Continue to grow in the character of Jesus, in Christ's character, regardless of your personality type. Jennifer taught me this. She told me years ago, she goes, Steve, just remember this. I don't care what personality profile, disc test, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, I don't care what you do. That doesn't circumvent and preempt you from having to still grow in the nine fruits of the Spirit, the character of Jesus. You, you can't say, listen, you can't say, well, I'm a D, that's why I'm a jerk. No, you're a D, but you still need to grow in the kindness. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me? You, you can't, you can't, or you can't say, I'm just impulsive, I'm an I, I'm just, I, therefore I don't have to have self-control. No, you have to grow in the nine fruits of the Spirit, which is the character of Christ. So here it is, that archetype of that personality profile, here it is, just remember this. The foundation is not the personality. The foundation is the character of Jesus. We have to continue to grow in the character of Jesus, and that actually lifts us to become the person who God's created us to be, to be a blessing to the world and not a curse. I've got a lot more to say. I'm going to talk to you about it next week. This month is all about how we can learn how to communicate, resolve conflict, celebrate the differences in others, and truly have the relationship that God's intent. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads, all of our campuses. <clears throat> you, know, you know, the first step, the first step to discovering really who you are is discovering who God is. And when you know Christ, your sins have been forgiven, and shame is broken off of your life, and you have a new start, Actually, the more you get to know God, the more he opens your eyes where you can begin to see how and what you are, a child of God, anointed by God, shaped by God. I, I want to pray with you, with all of our campuses, those that are joining us online right now, I'm going to take just a moment. Maybe you've never trusted Christ before as your Savior. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen to me. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Your uncle being a deacon at a church can't save you. That's wonderful, but that doesn't save you. Jesus saves. I can point you to Christ. He's the Savior of your soul. So my question is, do you know Jesus? Have you ever surrendered to Christ? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you said, Jesus, come into my life, wash me, cleanse me, and make me new? In just a moment, the count of three. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you, but wherever you are, those of you that are online, those that are at all of our different campuses, I'm going to ask you in just a moment at our physical locations to raise your hand, those online to click, I've decided what? To follow Jesus. Those of you that need Christ in your life, you need to be at peace with God. You need the blood of Jesus to wash you and cleanse you. If that's you, they count it through. Would you just lift your hand up high? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you guys up top right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Is there anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody else. Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, honey, right there. Anybody else? I need Christ. God bless you right there. Church, let's pray. Can we do that? Let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. This is the most important prayer you could ever pray right here. It's the prayer of salvation, a decision to follow Christ, to open your heart to receive Jesus. Let's pray this together. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner 
in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl. In the mighty name of Jesus. Give me 30 seconds. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. If you prayed and trusted Christ, I'm going to ask you to fill out this card behind your chair. It says, my decision, and you place it in the bucket on the way out. Why? I want to send you a letter and talk about what it means to follow Christ on a daily basis. Or you can just text the word decision to 822-822. And then you'll, some information will come up, and we'll give you some steps on how to be a follower of Christ on a daily basis. All right? I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Did that message help anybody today? Come on now. Hey, I know there's going to be a lot of conversations on the way out of church this morning, and that's good. And then next week we'll continue in the following week. And so I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. And if you need prayer for anything, we're always here for you as a church. Father, bless your people this day. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace and peace in our life. And Lord, we thank you that you're teaching us who we are, and you're also putting in us the grace to celebrate the uniquenesses of others. We are made in the image of God. We are not made in the image of another person. And we celebrate the differences in others. And we bless one another in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Can we give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, let's bless the Lord. We love you guys. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Wow, what an amazing message. And we really don't want to pass this moment by. If you're making a decision to follow Jesus right now, congratulations. This is the best decision you're ever going to make, and we really mean that. We're celebrating with you. Yes, today you're made new, you are set free, and you are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross, and we are so excited to walk alongside you in this journey of following Jesus. There is a link on the screen or in the chat. Just click that and fill out a short form. We'd love to hear more of your story and point you towards more resources as you begin this journey. And before we say goodbye for now, just know that we are here for you as a church. In fact, if you have a prayer need and need someone to pray with you right now, just text the word PRAY to 822-822 or let one of our hosts know in the chat. We have hosts and pastors who are ready to pray with people. We really would be honored to pray with you. With that being said, we can't wait to see you here next week, same time, same place. Have a great week.